involved in the community, to meet new people, uh, to get to know some kids. And, and as a youth minister, that was important. I wanted to meet kids just uh, outside, of, um, outside of these church walls and, uh, and, and wanted to make a little extra money while I was at it. And so I started driving a school bus here in town. And uh, it, it was an interesting job. And I'd, um, you know, I was 22 years old. And uh, hadn't had a lot of experience uh, managing kids and dealing with kids and, and, and trying to do all that. But it, it, was a, it was a really trying experience. And so um, eight years later, I have seen and heard, and, and even as a, a part of being a youth minister, I've, I've been a part of a great many things um, because of those particular circumstances. And one of the things that I realized after being a bus driver for, for only a short time, I realized that kids can just be brutal to one another. I realized that they can, they say things to one another that, that no person should ever have to hear. That, that they will, will say things almost as if they have no filter, no, no context in which to, to, to say such things or uh, sometimes they don't even realize the amount of pain that saying those words could inflict. But they've maybe seen it modeled or they've heard somebody else say it like that. And so some people are just mean-spirited. And some of those kids, some, some of the worst of those behaviors seem to come out on a school bus. When I was growing up, though, I, I went through a, fra- a phase in junior high where I had to start wearing husky-sized jeans. They might as well have been called fat jeans, but somehow husky was less offensive. I don't know. I knew what it meant, um, and I felt like it was plastered all the way down each side of my pant leg, and so everybody knew that I was wearing husky-sized jeans. And most of you know, um, junior high can be an especially rough time for kids as they try to figure out who they are and why they should act the way they should and, you know, things like that. And, you know, obviously my superior athletic skills, um, which I didn't have, um, and it, it made it a bit hard for me during those junior high years. And, and so much so that I kind of went into a bit of a shell for a while. I didn't really put myself out there very often because uh, I knew what people thought of me by the, you know, their actions. And, you know, you, you hear about the typical kid to get picked last on, on dodgeball day in, uh, in PE. That, that was me. And so I didn't put myself out there very much. It just was not my skill. And <clears throat> even so much so that they had like a, you know, band uh, you, you often hear the word band geeks, okay, or, or the, the phrasing of, of band geeks, and I wasn't in band, but I, I hung out in the band hallway with them because I, there was no other group for me. Thank you for that, Marcia. <laughs> so it was a little rough, and it wasn't until my senior year of high school when I remember feeling like I was finally accepted by my group of friends, not for who I was trying to be, not for what I could have been, not for how I acted, but just because I was me. And, you know, and even in high school, I, I know that that's a, that's a rare occurrence. I, I, I didn't... 
I didn't, it took me a long time to, to really feel like I was accepted for who I was because of who I was, not because of who I thought people thought I should be. The term bullying wasn't really a hot topic during my growing up years, during my, my junior high and high school years, but I think most people experience bullying at one point in their life or another, or, or at least some great mistreatment by others. It can change the way that we look at life. It can affect us on the long term. Junior high to high school is a long time. It can make us question why we are living. And I've realized that though many uh, of us think bullying only applies to kids, it's, it's not just kids that struggle with this. On both sides of the equation, adults are just as guilty slash recipient of, of bullying as, as kids. So I think this, this message today is something that we all need to hear because we can all be a part of the change that needs to happen. There, there are multiple, many types of bullying that, that happens. And I know this isn't an exhaustive list, but maybe some of the most common. Obviously, we know there, there are childhood bullies. And just for a frame of reference, the definition of bullying is the use of force, threat, or coercion to abuse, intimidate, or aggressively dominate others. The behavior is often repeated and habitual. And so we know that, you know, obviously this is happening all the time on, on playgrounds and buses and uh, maybe even in church, sad to say. But then there are also in, in churches, there can be church bullies. And most of the time, these are people that have the best of intentions. They, they want the very best for the church, but oftentimes they have this ideal mindset of what the church could and should be, that they use everything that they can to try and make the church to be that particular thing. Church bullies don't usually recognize themselves as bullies, but everybody else does. Church bullies uh, are, are really just, they'll try to seek people uh, in the church that they can align themselves with to gain their power. And it can, be a, it can be a great problem for churches. I've heard many stories over the, the past nine years as I've interacted with church, the church world, not necessarily our church in general, but for other churches. You hear about particular circumstances where church bullies can, can almost run the church into the ground because they're trying to get their own agenda across. Maybe there's family bullies. There's, there's people in, in a family that have learned the way to get their own way all the time. They might use guilt or, or deception, physical or emotional abuse to get their own way. And it's sad to say many times this is the man of the family. And sometimes they'll, they'll even use uh, Bible verses to, to kind of prove their point, to, to, to get their own way. They might use a verse like Ephesians 5.22 that says, Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. They might guilt their spouse into submission that way. And it's wrong. We need to acknowledge that, get that out in the open. And uh, we'll talk about that more here in a minute. But there's, there's work bullies, there's people that try to get their own way or make you look worse at work. And unfortunately, there's social media bullies. And 
these are not gender or age specific. Everybody can see what's happening on social media and how it can be a positive resource, but how it can be very negative at the same time. Here's the long story short. The bullies and mistreatment of other human beings is everywhere. And it's happening all around us all the time. But it's not just a bullying problem, but it's the way we treat others problem. And obviously it's happening with with non-Christians, but it's happening in Christians, in Christian circles too, with people that, that claim to be Jesus followers who are acting against others in a way that is mistreating them. And so here's the solution. The solution is that we need to put others first. That's why we've been calling this Others First Sunday. Because we need to make a a decision to, to say right out in the open that we need to put others before ourselves. That we need to put others first. Before we can do that, though, we need to have the right view of ourselves. We need to understand who our identity is, who God says that we are. And so we need to look to Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He made us to be magnificent, to be marvelous. We are his design. This doesn't mean that we get to be God. But we're created in his image. His purpose. So our our own identity is critical to identify in, in this conversation as we talk about this. We need to know who we are and who we are is created in God's image. We need to grasp that if we're going to begin to understand that we are all made equally and that none are better than others. That's a, that's a hard concept to grasp, that, that none are better than others. You, you think about people that have, that have been famous for the evil that they've done and to think that they are no worse than you or that you're no better than them. Obviously, some of the things that they've done may be magnified, but, but the way God created them, the way that God created them to be is in His image. Our identity needs to be found in Christ and Christ alone. And what does Christ say to us? This is a verse you all know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That word whoever literally means in totality. Everyone. Everywhere. None are excluded from this gift of Jesus. And so if none are excluded from this gift of Jesus Christ, then we need to view others in that light. We need to think of others as being created in God's image. Because God finds them to be valuable enough to send his son for them. Going back to Ephesians 5, 21 and 22 and And even verse 25, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Then it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. In verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so, husbands, if you've been using that verse of wives submitting to your husbands as you do to the Lord, I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about if you're willing to look at verse 25 and say, I love my wife just as Christ loved the church. And in that context, Christ laid him, his life down for the church. He gave himself up for her. And so if you're going to offer that to your wife, you need to be willing to back it up with verse 25 and say, Christ loved the church and I'm going to do the same to you. I'm going to love you in that same way, that sacrificial, others first kind of way. Even from the time of the Israelites, though, God's goal and God's plan for us has been the same. Leviticus 19.8 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then Jesus, during his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount out of Matthew chapter 5, says in this statement, Matthew 5, 43 to 47, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what culture in that day was saying to them. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Essentially saying, don't just love the people that you know. But love those who have hurt you, who have persecuted you, who have inflicted pain against you. So what does this look like? I don't think it means that you just need to roll over and be a doormat. I don't think it means you need to be walked all over and abused because you're supposed to love them. I think it does mean that we still need to care about them, though. And we need to pray for them. And in some respects, that, that's harder than, than anything. So pray for somebody that has hurt you so deeply. We need to have an eternal perspective, though, that I think that helps us to deal with people who don't treat others first. Because, you know, in in this world, it's easy for me to say to you all who, who claim to be Christ followers. It's easy for me to say to you that, that you need to put others first. And, and you all have a frame of reference from which you can say, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think that's a, that's a good point. But there are many, many non-Christians in this world who don't, we can't expect them to have the same morality, the same values as we do. And they're certainly not putting others first. And so how do we deal with that? By having an eternal perspective. See, Jesus was being challenged by the religious people of his day, the Pharisees, 
time and time again. But in John chapter 8, verse 13 through 14, says the Pharisees challenged him, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. I love that. I love Jesus' response to this. I think we need to have the very same response. We need to know where we come from. Genesis 1, created in the image of God. We are created in God's image. That's where we came from. And where are we going? We're going to eternity with God. That's our pursuit. Our pursuit is a relationship with God, a saving relationship with God. And so if we know where we came from and where we are going, everything else kind of blurs in comparison. Psalm 18.3 says, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. We know that God cares deeply for us. He knows we, he care, we know that He cares about our hurts and our pain that we've been through in this life. He knows that people mistreat others all the time. But what if, what if we were to put others first? I know that this isn't our, our natural inclination. I know that we need constant reminders to put others before ourselves. What if, what if First Christian Church became known in this community as a place where others are first? Barb Baker came up to me at the end of the last sermon and she said that she was going to have the, the people that help out with our food pantry every week wear these buttons that you're all going to get at the end of the service. It's the same thing that's on the screen, others first at First Christian Church. I love the message that that communicates. That we're going to put other people first. Even those that don't come here, we're going to put them first. Even people that need help as they come through the food pantry, we're going to put them first. Because that's what God asks us to do. That's how we would want to be treated. A couple years ago, I had a student in our Sunday night reveal service, which is for high school and junior hires. I had a student call me up. And he had been talking to his parents about an issue that he had had that night at Reveal. And a few of the kids were kind of bullying him. They'd just been downright mean, disrespectful. And, and it just broke my heart in that moment. And I don't even remember what the sermon was about the next week. And I tried to keep it on topic. But man, bullying came up and it came up big. And I had one of the sponsors tell me after I got done speaking and, and just telling them that there should be no other place in this community where kids should be able to come and feel loved and respected. And I had a, a sponsor come to me afterwards and say, man, I thought your hair was going to catch on fire. Because I firmly believe that, that there should be no other place in our community where people should come and feel like others are first and feel like they are loved like no other place. That's what needs to happen in this church. That's where, where people are, 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 they're just attracted to an unselfless, others-first attitude. 
I don't know if you've ever been a part of a conversation with somebody where the conversation kept getting turned back to them. It kept being about them because that's who they wanted to talk about. It's not a great conversation to be a part of. It's not that fun because you feel like they don't care about you. And the problem is that being with somebody who only cares about himself who puts themselves first, is just not attractive. It's not good to be around that kind of person. And yet the world all the time is trying to communicate to us through various media resources and, and different avenues that you've got to stand up for you and you've got to put yourself first and you've got to be the, the one that, that's in control. And, and yet nobody wants to be around somebody who wants to be all about themselves. I wonder... If the adults in this community, I wonder if, if they started putting others first, how does that change the dynamic uh, of this community? How does, how does that change the way that we interact with our kids? Because, you know, the kids in the schools, they're dealing with, with this bullying issue. And unfortunately, a lot of them had to have learned it from somewhere. And a lot of them have probably learned the very same behaviors at home. They've learned how to put themselves before other people at home. And, and maybe adults put, up, put on a nice face when they go to church, or they, they put on a, you know, they put up a good front that they can, they can put others first, and, and really it's still all about themselves. And so we need to think deep down in our hearts and in our minds, are we doing what Jesus asks us to do. Are we putting others first? Because if we do, if we put others first in our lives, that changes the equation. It changes everything. Think what would happen. Think about in all those circumstances of bullying and mistreatment of others, if somebody just were to take a step back from the situation before they got ready to say that mean thing, before they got ready to do that hurtful deed, if they were to just think, what if I were to put others first? What if I were to think about that person before I thought about myself? What if I were to think about how much that might hurt somebody? How much would that impact me if I were to hear that? It changes the equation when we put others first. So we got some buttons printed up. And we want you to take them home. And I understand that, uh, that you're probably not going to wear this every day. I understand that this isn't going to be a part of your new outfit. Okay? But here's what I would love. I'd love for you to grab one from the info desk. There's a giant bowl. And we got a bunch of these. I'd love for you to grab one to put on your dresser or, or in your bathroom, and I would love for you to look at this every morning and make a conscious decision to say, I want to put others first. And maybe even take, take a split second and just ask God to give you the strength to fight the temptation to put yourself before others. And that you would think about how you can intentionally put somebody first before yourself that day. I would love that. I, 
I know that we're forgetful people. And so this is, we wanted to give you something that you could put in your hand or put somewhere that you're going to think, man, I want to put others first. I just want to just close our time with, with a word of prayer, but I just want us to think about this. What if, what if we are to put others first? How does that change this world that we live in? How does that change the issue of bullying? How does that change the way we interact with other people? I think if we are to consciously think about others first, we begin to look a lot different than we do right now. Father, we come before you, God, just fully realizing and knowing, God, that, that we've made mistakes, we've treated other people poorly, we've, we've been a part of, of some really bad things, Father, and just in the way we've treated others. God, I would ask that, uh, that you go before us right now. God, if there's people that, that we've bullied, that we've mistreated, would you help us to go and repent? Would you help us to, to realize, God, how different things could be if we were to do just what you asked? God, if we were to put others first. God, and pray for those who've hurt us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. As we get ready to have a time of worship, I'm going to ask you all to stand. And we're going to sing uh, a worship song. And uh, this is invitation time. If you have a decision to make for Christ, if just this other's first mentality is something that you need in your life, if you need the saving love of Jesus in your life, we'd ask you to come forward and pray with you. Or if you need prayer of any kind, we ask you to come forward uh, during this time. Let's worship together.
Yeah.